This podcast is brought to you by Labyrinth Marketing, an award-winning strategic marketing and capability consultancy passionate about step change in the growth of brands and agencies by setting long-term strategy and supporting empowering the people behind the brands and business to bring these plans to life through capability programs, training, coaching, mentoring, and providing extra resource. Hello and welcome to the Whole Marketer Podcast. podcast is a technical skill, it's performance marketing, one that is rising in popularity with many marketeers. Shortly I'll welcome today's guest Kat Sale onto the podcast, but before I do, let me tell you a little bit more about performance marketing. Performance marketing is a method of digital marketing which involves using multiple channels to target specific audiences using ROI-focused campaigns, utilising the learnings from each campaign to build the next. It's rising in popularity due to the heavy focus on return on investment. And it's an area of marketing myself and many other marketeers want to understand more about. Today's guest is Kat Sale. Kat Sale is the co-founder of House Performance, the performance marketing disruptors. She started a career in media sales, plugging space, plugging ad space in the back of magazines and newspapers. Quickly getting frustrated by not being able to tangibly back up her results with data, she moved into digital marketing. Starting her career in PPC at Periscope, now Merkel, and then moving to display and social and leading the reseller program with Google's marketing platform. In 2016, Kat moved to work for Crowd, first as a client strategy director, then as director of operations. Seeing the business grow from 60 to 230 people in her time at Crowd, she worked on numerous internal, external and investor projects, as well as achieving Google reseller status in record time. In 2021, she set up a house of performance with her original Periscope bestie, Emma Welland. They designed a consultative agency that helps brands get more from their performance marketing by independently consulting to help clients improve both their team or agency output and rapidly develop sustainable performance improvements. Kat, welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. As always with the podcast, we always start with a juicy question. What, in your words, is performance marketing? So, believe it or not, I do actually get asked this quite a lot. To me, performance marketing is any marketing that you can directly attribute results from. So, specifically things that you can run the ad and then see the results pretty quickly, ideally in real time. You know, usually it's online. To me, specifically, it's things like PPC, display, SEO, remarketing, CRM advertising, affiliates. Basically, anything where you can plan, execute, and then see the direct sort of conversion in quotes, whatever the client's conversion is. And I love performance marketing, so I could talk all day about this subject. But what I love about it is that because you attribute results, you get a lot of data, and you can do so much with that data. So you can target specific people online based on their interests and really, really quickly you can see if it's working. I think you can answer a lot of questions about your customers through performance marketing as well as obviously driving exceptional ROI. I think it's probably the most cost-effective form of advertising because it's accessible to anyone. So, you know, you can have a big or smaller budget as you like and you can just keep on scaling that when you find the right audience and the right methods of targeting and in pretty much real time you can see whether or not it's working. 
So yeah, I love it. I've been working in it for 13 years. It's always changing and it always keeps me on my toes. That's what I love about it. That's really interesting that you say you've been working on it for 13 years because it just seems to be the buzzword or the latest approach that keeps being banded around at the moment. Hence, I was like, Kat, please yes. can you come on the podcast? Why do you think that is? <laughs> Why do you think everyone's talking about performance marketing now? Um, I think there's been a trend really over the last 10 years of people moving from traditional media you know, TV and print. And I used to work in print before moving to performance marketing. Traditionally, people would put an advert out on TV or in a newspaper, whatever, and they would, you know, get lots of views and then hopefully people would buy their products or sign up to their thing, whatever it was. But as the internet and the world have moved on, we have this thing called performance marketing whereby we can basically be much more specific and targeted with who we want to hit with our ads if you like so I think it's become more of a trend now because the platforms that allow this Facebook Google ads they've become so much more accessible and easy to use for anyone so there's really no reason for anyone to not be using performance marketing so it's accessibility it's flexibility and budget these platforms are for any type of business not just you know, the big ones that maybe would only do TV back in the day. And advertisers have had the opportunity to be much more savvy with their budgets and put their money where they, where they can drive an impact. Performance marketing is literally built for that. So it's really attractive to, you know, the, all the, the CMOs and founders of companies because they can say or see that what they're doing is having an impact straight away or not, if it's not. And there's two things for me there. One is around the link between the activity you're doing and delivering return on investment for the business and being able to choose mechanics that allow you to do that. And then I suppose the second thing for me that I'm hearing is around it being appealing because anyone can access it due to the ease. When you say anyone access it, am I right to say this is just digital channels or is this any communication channel? Well, I think digital in particular, because there's not really any barriers... For example, we launched House of Performance last year. We wanted to do some PPC advertising. We have a very, very small budget being a new startup. We could access Google Ads, put together a PPC campaign and literally put sort of £10 a day budget behind it. Equally, as we grow and we want to scale that, it's really easy to do it. I think the platforms, particularly Google and Facebook, make it really easy for anyone to do that. I say anyone, obviously you need to learn how to use it but it's not rocket science makes complete sense and I suppose what I'm just trying to pull apart is how is performance marketing or the terminology of it different to as you say someone going on and putting a small level of investment against some digital channels themselves what pulls those two things apart I think performance marketing is anything where you can directly attribute a value from it your desired outcome, whatever that is as an advertiser. So, for example, if someone views a video ad on YouTube and then later goes onto your site to buy whatever you've been promoting, that is performance marketing. Ideally, that's it at its best, really, because it's driving a certain action from your ad and that can be fully tracked back to that ad. So then you could say, okay, well, I spent £100 on YouTube ads and I've gained a thousand sales at a pound each, so I've made a thousand pounds. Happy days, not a bad ROI. 
what I'm hearing is that the difference between the two, one is the activity, but one is the measurement of it. And that's what makes it performance marketing because you're able to attribute the sale or the revenue generated or profit generated to be able to calculate ROI, which is why it makes it performance marketing. Yeah, I believe so. And I think when you unpack what that then means, if you can attribute the sale, that you can then start marketing with specific KPI intent. So you can say, right, this bit of marketing that I'm doing is all about driving brand new customers to sign up to an email on my site. And then this other bit of marketing I'm doing is all about driving direct sales to customers. So the marketeers listening to this going, okay, so it's really about focusing activity and spend against activity we know works and that we can measure. And as you mentioned earlier, there's a form of insight or data that we can collect at the same time and understand more about our brands. What other benefits are there for brand or business owners through performance marketing and the methodology? Well, I think you can learn a lot about your customers. So Facebook and Google in particular have loads of amazing tools that allow you to see what behaviours and interests your site visitors from your performance marketing campaigns what your site visitors match to. So, for example, let's say that we are Tesco and, you know, we're using performance marketing. Say we're using PPC to drive traffic to our site. Google will be able to tell us that of the traffic we have gained, what types of interest those users have. And that then could be used for all sorts of other methods of performance marketing. So the great thing about performance marketing is one thing always leads on to another and the next thing, and the next thing. And you can always refine and expand on things. So let's say, like I said, we're Tesco, and we learn that people that come to our site via our PPC campaign, they commonly, the people that convert, have in common that they love, specifically they love shopping for beauty products. We could then say, okay, well, anyone in that audience, when they come to our site, we're going to show them something different around beauty products because we know that's what they like. And then you can start to tailor what you're doing to that audience. And maybe even potentially even tailor what you stock and buy. If so many of that audience are interested in beauty products, maybe you need to expand your range there because you could get more out of them. So it almost feels to be quite real-time and reactive, almost like learning as mm. you go and being able to be flexible to, I guess, adjust spend and... I guess, comms objectives based on what you learn in that here and there in the moment and how it can drive commercial outcomes. Yes, and I think too often businesses fall into the trap of thinking that performance marketing is just there to deliver sales, but actually it should be a full part of the business strategy because, like I said, if you learn from that strategy that a lot of your customers have one thing in common you can then use that in your business model or your other marketing. So, yeah, it's really interesting. So with all those benefits, are there any limitations that the listeners need to be mindful of? The most common limitation that most advertisers we work with is data and specifically syncing up the full customer journey to attribute the value of their campaigns to the lifetime value of that customer. And this is a problem with most customers or brands that I've worked with over the years. Let's take Sainsbury's as a different example. And let's say that I've got a display campaign that shows users ads across the internet saying, we've got loads of nice new Easter eggs in, come and buy them. You can tell I'm not a copywriter, <laughs> obviously. 
<laughs> but anyway, the ad says, you know, we've got loads of nice Easter eggs and lots of users go through to site and maybe they make an order at Sainsbury's or maybe they don't. Maybe they visit Sainsbury's in person and they pay on their contactless phone with Apple Pay. In theory, that should be trackable all the way back to that first view of the ad. But so many customer businesses don't have that full customer journey synced up. So then imagine that customer then love their experience at Sainsbury's and they decide to do all their shopping there every week. All of a sudden, you've generated a really, really loyal, amazing customer that shops every week. The lifetime value is, you know, incredible. But that ad campaign that drove that usually isn't getting the credit. Mm-hmm. It is trackable. So many things are trackable. It's insane. And I've seen some you know, clients on a range of sort of trajectories with this. But in, most things are trackable, really. It's just how much of a focus you put on it. It ties back to not seeing performance marketing as just that sort of initial lead driver. Yeah, and almost the relationship builder that it could be in the long-term value that that generates. Exactly. So with that in mind, I'm just almost like mapping that customer journey in my mind. I can see how the objective would come in, you know, help us to drive awareness of our Easter egg range in Sainsbury's from this time period to that time period with this level of uplift. I'm just trying to make it a smart objective because no one ever really gives smart objectives these days. So you've gone and put that paid ad on to drive awareness of the Easter egg range in Sainsbury's. That human being, that beating heart, goes into Sainsbury's in-store. They then pick up an Easter egg, go to the checkout, and they pay with Apple Pay. How can you link Mm. that human from having seen that paid ad to that Apple Pay purchase? If they viewed the ad on that mobile, same mobile device, you can sync that up through the back end of Google Analytics. I've done all the technical wizardry, by the way, but I've seen it be done. <laughs> That's a mind-blowing moment for me because obviously a lot of brand teams are tracking you know, penetration so we can see if new users are coming into the retail outlet. And we can also model through activities that we've done at that time, if it's singular, because that's never the case. We're never just running one thing at one time. I didn't know that you could link those two things through Google Analytics. So there's my mind-blown emoji happening right now. So what level of insight do you actually get given or what quality of brief do you get given to you as an agency for you to then think about what activity you are going to roll with and what the key measure is there? Well, it really varies by client. So every business is at a different stage, right, of what they are tracking and monitoring. So regardless of the brief, when we start looking at a business, we look at the whole customer journey from when a customer first hears about what that business is selling, right through to, you know, visiting once, visiting twice, then you know, let's say they buy something and then do they buy again? Do they not? So we ask a lot of questions and look at that full journey. And then we'll look at, okay, what are they actually tracking back through to their marketing campaigns? So we've been working with a car comparison website, specifically on their PPC and Facebook ad campaigns, but also on their, I guess, data management side of things. So initially, when we started working with them, users would go to site and they would fill in a form to get more information about the cars, essentially. And then after that, the garages that sell those cars will get in touch with that customer based on the form they filled in. And then they would complete the transaction offline. So 
all the performance marketing was tracking that initial form being filled in, which is great, but it wasn't tracking whether or not that customer actually purchased. Now, obviously, the business was running on purchases and revenue because every business does. So it was really difficult for the client and us to say whether or not our campaigns were working because we could say, you know, today you've had 100 people fill that form in. That's brilliant. The client might turn around and say, yeah, but we haven't made any money. So it's no good. So we worked with the client on a separate offline reporting tool that would basically link up all the campaign IDs that we had running from PPC and Facebook right through to that end customer journey so that when that customer's quote is fulfilled and they purchase, that data is looped back into the system and then we can see by campaign what we've spent and what we've made. And it was game-changing for that business because they were running blind before. They had no idea what was making money. And it was really interesting because certain parts of the campaign that we thought would be really cost-effective actually weren't driving quality leads. And without that full data loop of the customer journey, you would never know that. Wow, that's really sexy, isn't it? Yeah. And what's really sexy is that that business has been trading for 10 years and they weren't in profit until this year, which is unbelievable, really. It's an investor-backed business. They weren't in profit at all, and they now are in some profit, which is good. Kat, that's a case study waiting to happen, you know it is. I know. And with that in mind, I'd love to ask you the next question, case studies and the like. What are your career highs and lows? So, lows, most of these are not related to marketing. (laughs) It's probably worth saying. They're just more about being at work. Absolute low was throughout, I guess, the last probably 10 years, I have felt defined by my parental status at work and found that challenging. So obviously, everybody says they never discriminate and they never make decisions based on what your gender is or or any of those other factors. However, I feel like I've come up against that many times. I've really struggled with that really really struggled a lot of frustration some anxiety around it because you'd always be worried about what people are thinking so to give you an example of what I'm talking about I've had comments like when are you going to have another baby when we were talking about org charts at work comments like (laughs) so we had like a a company work this is years and years and years ago company work do and I'm quite a big drinker Abby (laughs) but at this one specific work I wasn't drinking I was driving And a couple of days later, we were having some drinks in the office and someone said to me, oh, we all thought you weren't drinking because you were pregnant the other night, but I guess you're not because I was having a drink. And that resulted in me cycling home from work and basically crying about how unfair it was to be a woman. So that's that's probably career low. It's a bit deep, sorry. No, don't be sorry. Um, Don't, Don't just brush over it either. So, you know, I'm sure you're not alone in that. And... What's interesting as you started to talk about your low is obviously I know the ages of your children and I was thinking Mm. to myself, this obviously started before you've even had children, almost like this expectation of being a female, what this, Mm. I don't want to say ticking time bomb, but almost as if like there was this shadow over you. I think, yeah, it did feel like that. And I think once you get married, maybe it's a natural human assumption. Once you're married, you must have babies and therefore everyone's waiting for that. But that really affected me because I'm a very ambitious person. So that to, to think that people might have made decisions about me 
and my career path based on that was really hard. Mm. I was about to say, why was it jarring with you? But you've answered that question, which is because it's, you know, you value ambition potentially and comments of that nature aren't reflective Mm. of what you deem to be important. Yes, exactly. And I think it's hard because no one, I don't think anyone ever said it to me with any ill intention. They're all my friends. We're still friends now. But when people say that, they don't realise the impact it has and how bad it is. And in the moment when someone says things like that, you know, we were all joking that you were pregnant. I'm so shocked by that comment that I haven't got a quick remark. Mm. What, you know, what I should have said, well, I thought you were all but hey-ho, let's carry on. But you just, you don't, because <laughs> in the moment you're shocked and upset. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? What you would have said. Exactly. Shoulda, exactly. coulda, woulda. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. It wouldn't have made a difference anyway, right? Mm. So it's fine. And that's why I get quite defensive about the business. If somebody says, oh, you're such a lifestyle business. It's always, you know, swanning off to the gym or you girls off shopping today. I get really defensive because, yes, we are a female-founded business, but we are really serious and ambitious. Yes, we make time for our things in our lifestyle that help us be more productive at work, but we are not just a lifestyle business and we are here to have an impact on the industry. So, yeah, I get defensive about that. Well, preach to that. Preach to that. So another low, I was much earlier on in my career and I took on this big client and the performance wasn't great, to be honest. You know, we talked about performance marketing. (laughs) We were tracking everything, but it just wasn't going very well. And I was reported as defensive by the client, which I was. I definitely was defensive, but I took it really, really hard. And it took me quite a long time to work out how to be defensive, because I will be defensive of something that I'm working on, but not let that get in the way of a constructive conversation. And that's quite hard. I think any feedback that is a finger point at you and your personality and who you are as a human and what you bring to this world always stings. Yes. Especially stings if it's not reflective of who you know you are. Mm. And I think also not only knowing who you are and that not being reflective, and I think also that feedback given to you in a time when it wasn't performing, so you're already in a time of uncertainty. And at any time that we are faced with difficulties make us more vulnerable, more susceptible. So any feedback given in that time is always going to sting that bit harder, Cat. 100%. And I always it think it's affect me the same way now, but yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't, probably because you're feeling strong now. <laughs> That's always the way, yeah. isn't it? It's always the way. Yeah, yeah. All right, one more low. <laughs> you don't have to use it. <laughs> I have twice in my career been made to feel like an imposter by female bosses. In hindsight, I believe they were threatened by me, but it was a real difficult time because they both made me feel like I wasn't qualified to be in the role I was. Yeah. So that was a low to work through, which was fun. But you did work through it. I changed. So the first one, I left the company because I couldn't get past it with this person. And the second one, I changed my role because my attempts to work through it and bond with this person couldn't work, all these people. So my mental health was more important than the role. So I changed. Does that make sense? Makes complete sense. And when I say working through, it's often about trying to understand where their thoughts and beliefs are coming from 
because usually it's their own belief about what success looks like or what or how you should be doing the work that you're doing versus your own belief system that has that jarring Mm. not often personal but although it impacts you personally and I think there's also an element there that you were talking around actually knowing sometimes what you want to fight against and what you just want to take a sidestep away from and not necessarily face into it yes but to also acknowledge that the energy that you do have isn't to be spent on that and is to be protected by protecting your mental health so for me that's what I mean by Mm. working through it and that you've processed what you did why you did it and the impact that it had yeah absolutely so do you want to hear the highs please (laughs) I think number one high is a consistent theme to be honest it's why I work in performance marketing any time that I've had an impact on someone or a business that's what gives me joy and fulfillment basically is having an impact so that could be just training a junior marketeer from scratch to run their own campaign or it could be getting hands-on with a PPC account that's got a declining version rate and turning it into the most profitable channel in the company all of that stuff is an absolute high for me because I can see a direct impact another one would be I did a project again this is about impact really so during the pandemic lots of people were struggling with mental health obviously I ran a project where we did essentially we did a zoom call where myself and two other senior members of the agency I worked at shared their own mental health stories and challenges that they had had in the past and were currently having in real detail nothing was spared and it was really scary to do but I feel incredibly proud that I could get my story shared and also their stories because the response from people across the agency was just incredible so that was good I love that starting with your own untabooing the taboo yes I felt it was easier to start with my own because if I was going to ask someone else to do it I needed to step up and do it myself true and relationships are built on vulnerability And I think opening up like that, particularly in the workplace, A, allows others to know that it's okay to do that and reduces that kind of imposter syndrome and that increases the feelings of belonging. But it also allows you to strengthen the relationships between the people that you are sharing and being vulnerable with. Yes. So Kat, thank you so much for sharing so openly your career highs and lows and for informing us all on what performance marketing truly is. I have definitely learned a lot today already. As always with the podcast, we always finish with the following question. What one piece of advice would you give to the marketers of tomorrow? Be picky on who you work for. Ooh, good one. So you should only ever, not just when you start your career, forever, only work for people that inspire you, people that you want to learn from. You know, at the moment, marketers have got such a lot of choice on what job they take you know the job market is definitely a candidate's market so never settle for an employer that isn't going to give you the best tools and opportunity to excel the only times that I've grown in my career is when I've worked with and for people that are you know I find inspiring and that push me that's a great piece of advice and Kat thank you so much for your time in today's podcast no problem thank you Thank you for tuning in to the Whole Marketeer podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do click follow below for more weekly podcasts. The Whole Marketer book is now available in all good bookstores. And to find out more about how Labyrinth can support and step change the growth of your brand or agency, go to www. 
labyrinthmarketing.co.uk. Thank you.